Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Hello and welcome to Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. The temperature is set to rise on the show this week. England losing to Pakistan by nine wickets. What a shambles. The full toss. And that's it. Fabulous effort from Pakistan. England looking thoroughly dejected. Full credit to Pakistan for everything they've done here at Lords in this opening test match of the summer. England out-battered, out-bowled, out-fielded and out-coached. Get ready for the inquest. Not all doom and gloom, though, although there will be a fair amount of moaning on the show this week because over in India and exclusively live on TalkSport 2, the final of the IPL and it didn't disappoint. Brethwaite goes in right and drives through the covers, beats the covers. They're all in trying to save the single. It will run away for four and the Chennai Super Kings... Alex Tudor was part of the commentary team. We will talk to him about that and also have a good look back at his career later on in the show. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week. We're on TalkSport 2. And as usual, Johnny Norman, a very happy Johnny Norman, because Fulham are in the Premier League. Oh, mate, it was the best day of my footballing life on Saturday. Uh, A Wembley day for the first time in 43 years. Uh, There was... uh, it was about 15 Norman family members from different branches of the uh, the family tree. Friends as well. Um, it, and everything that I thought my Wembley experience would be. Do you know what, Goffey? It was even better. You could probably still hear it in my throat, actually. Yeah, you probably can. And, and, to, and to be fair, um, you probably missed the best day of cricket um, at Lord's on <laughs> yeah. Saturday. Day three. Um, was the only day we had kind of some success. Um, bit of a fight right towards the end from Josh Butler and Don Bess. But other than that, let's be let's be fair. From the toss of the coin, it's been a disappointing Test match for England. And we 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 come to the end of it, 
um, asking more questions than ever. I know, and that's that is the damning thing, isn't it, Goffy? Because you know we've we've kind of been asking the same questions for quite a long time now, but suddenly we've got a whole new raft of questions. And and if you look down the eleven, from one to eleven, I mean there are very few players in that team now who are justifying their inclusion within the, the the team. Normally, you know, you're only talking about one or two. But at times, over the last uh, four days or so at Lords, it's a team that's looked lacking in leadership. It's a team that doesn't look uh, quite right on the field. Uh, and it's a team who have, as you said in the intro, you know, it's been outbatted by Pakistan. It's been outbowled by Pakistan. It's been outfielded by Pakistan. It's been out-captained by Pakistan, and it's been out-coached by Pakistan. It's an absolute shambles. Agreed totally. Um, I think the coaching staff need to have a good look at themselves, um, especially on the batting front. I know Matt Rampakash. I've been to one of his master classes. I've seen him perform as a coach. I think he's a very, very good coach. But he must be pulling his hair out. He must really, really be, because you could see him on the balcony um, after the shot of Ben Stokes getting out in the second innings, he just thought, well, 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 what is the point? They're telling them to do things. They're probably saying this is out of play, that type of bowler. And then they're just going a moment of madness. Too many times England are having collapses with a ball. I was listening to Nasser Hussain as well the other, um, the other night. Mm. And I was fascinated what he had to say, actually. And he spoke a lot of sense. I've talked about this as well for a while. You have too. Is, but we've got bowlers who can't bowl away from home. We struggle um, to bowl out the opposition when the pitches are flat. And then in England, when the ball moved around a little bit in that first day, we got batsmen who can't play a moving ball. Now, I thought this actually turned out to be a good wicket on day two, day three. Um, but still, the way Pakistan bowled compared to England, I uh, said this out on social media last night, Pakistan embarrassing England on the bowling front. Bowling to hit the stumps. We miss, they hit. Whether it be bowl, whether it be LBW, whether they nick off to the catchers. We bowled too wide again. We pulled too short. We didn't want to get driven. It's the usual stories now. Jimmy Anderson's a world-class performer and has been for many, 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 many years. But because he's lost that yard of pace now, his bowling now, for me, after the new ball, listen to what I say, after the new ball is a negative bowling. It's to stop to himself going for runs. It's protecting his figures. With the new ball, he obviously can pitch it up. He bowled poorly in that first innings uh, with the new ball, but in the second innings, he picked up that wicket um, and, and he bowled. That's what you expect from Jimmy, isn't it? With the new ball in English conditions. Pitch the ball up, not the stumps over. But after the new ball goes, it tends to be back of a length, worrying about going for runs, and that's not where you, you have to bowl, especially at Lords, on it's just nibbling around a little bit. Do you know, <clears throat> excuse me, do you know, actually, let's hear a little bit of audio because I was at the press conferences following the match, uh, listening to Joe Root, uh, listening to Trevor Bayliss, but do you know there was one statement that just made me sit up and think, boy, oh boy. And it was from the Pakistani captain, Safraz Ahmed. Let's just have a listen to what he had to say when asked the question, what did you do differently from playing in Malahide against Ireland and playing at Lords against England? You know, uh, if, if, you, if you talk about the Malahide match, so we were lacking 
बैटिंग एंड बॉलिंग एज वेल तो वेन वी केम हेयर टू वी प्ले टेस्ट टू डे गेम इन लेस्टर शहर एंड वी टॉक विद द बॉलर एज वेल यू नो इफ यू टेक विकेट्स इन इंग्लैंड सो यू हैव टू पिच द बॉल ऑन पिच द बॉल ऑन अप सो क्रेडिट गोज टू माई बॉलर्स दे बॉल रियली वेल एंड बॉलिंग ऑन द प्लान द वे बॉलर पिचिंग पिचिंग अप द बॉलर स्पेशली द फर्स्ट डे द वे अब्बास एंड हसन अली बॉलिंग दैट वॉज द डिफरेंट थिंग इफ यू सी द माला हाइट बॉलिंग एंड लॉर्ड बॉलिंग द वे वर डिफरेंट फील्डिंग वॉज इम्प्रूवमेंट अलॉट यू नो वी टू कैचेज वी कपल ऑफ गुड कैचेज लाइक असद दे टू गट टू गुड कैचेज द वे वी फील्डिंग सो आई थिंक दैट्स अ इम्प्रूवमेंट आई थिंक माला हाइट मैच वॉज द परफेक्ट मैच फॉर अस बिफोर द बिग टेस्ट मैच सो दे यू गो गॉफी Pakistan one test match one test match to realize that to take wickets in England you need to pitch the ball up Muhammad Abbas I saw a stat earlier <laughs> 60% of his deliveries would have gone on to hit the stumps Yep Pakistan did that England didn't I could have told you this though Johnny I don't I don't need the Pakistan captain to me. I've been saying well, this for you look at the way I t- took most of my wickets Dominic Court took most of the wickets you bowl at the stumps right you have to especially in the second innings when there might be a little bit of a different movement in um not as much movement but it might be up and down you've got to bowl at the stumps you have got to get the field placings right you bowl to attack to it they miss you it whether it be lbw and bowl we don't bowl like that we we don't do it we've bowled too short in this test match as i joked about it yesterday on twitter perhaps we should be having a warm up game against ireland before our first test of the year rather than most of our guys playing on not acceptable wickets in county cricket or most of them over in the IPL and rocking up one two days before the test match perhaps we've got to start and do that now we've got to have a warm up against Davos or Scotland or an Ireland so the players get together and get used to playing as a team because we look disjointed you've got Stoneman whose feet are glued to the crease Alistair Cook is vulnerable against the new ball more often than not these days Uh, Joe oh. Root played a poor shot. Milan nicks off for fun, whether it, um, especially in English conditions. Well, we moved Johnny Bairstow from seven to five. Did it work? In one Test match, it's hard to tell. We need to see over a, a three or four Test matches, but not in the second innings. Didn't help England's cause. No, absolutely. I mean, let's let's hear from Trevor Bayliss as well. I want to talk about the the bowling for a minute, and it does seem a bit harsh to talk about start with bowling when you know your team have have been knocked over for 184, but. Trevor Bayliss, a coach, uh, many questions fired at him from Sky Sports' Ian Ward. Let's hear what he had to say when asked about bowlers not pitching the ball up. Jimmy, uh, yeah, from a swing bowler's point of view, his mode of operation is a little different to uh, to others. You know, he likes to starve the batter of uh, of that um, of, of a lot of full balls. Yeah, may, maybe it. Uh, you know, if if we want. someone to bowl uh you know fuller more often well, that might mean that we we've got to put someone into the team that uh, that that's their mode of operation so there you go if the bowlers that England have got do not pitch the ball up then Trevor Bayliss the England coach suggesting that he will have to find bowlers that do now i can't see jimmy henderson and stuart broad getting dropped anytime soon So does that mean that Mark Woods is going to be the full guy possibly um and another bowler brought in because obviously the coach has also identified this is a long standing problem within this England side too defensive and they go too defensive too quickly 
And you saw it in the first innings. Jimmy Anderson went for two fours on either side of the wicket, pitched up deliveries, and immediately fired in the short ball. You know, and that's that was his modus operandi from that point onwards. Well, that's what I'm saying to you. After the new ball, which is one of the best in the world at and still is, it, it becomes because he's lost that yard of pace now. It is about a, a, a defence mechanism in his head where he's right, right, I don't want to go for runs now because then when I get the opportunity to strike, it's a Sean Pollock uh, attitude mm, and it's a Glenn McGrath attitude. But he's a different type bowler to them. Yeah. He's totally, totally different to those yeah. two. And I think that's what happens. And we rely on him so much with the, uh, with the new ball because he's a quality performer. But as it gets older now and that he's not got that pace, it's very, very difficult for him to, to ball pitch to pitch up. Obviously, he just becomes half follies. Now, Mark Wood, I think Mark Wood is under serious pressure. We've got to get it right when he plays. Mm. I think he does improve England when he plays. Yeah. Um, I thought he was unfortunate in first innings. Definitely. I thought he bowled okay in first yeah. innings. Had a catch drop. Uh, he had two catches dropped, actually. Yeah, he's another one, though. I think as a bowler, the type of bowler he is, he's very similar to myself, very similar to Simon Jones. Mm. He has to bowl at the stumps. He has to get the right but, field places. See, he's is... not going to get wickets caught fourth slip no, very and, often. But this is the thing, Goffey. You know, day two at Lords, all right, it was cloudy, cloud cover all, throughout days one and two, okay? It was really, it was muggy and the ball was moving. And Joe Root, within an hour of the start of, of day two, had Mark Wood bowling leg side, body line, essentially. He had Stokes at leg slip. Um, he had a fielder at, um, at, at short leg. And Mark Wood was being... Asked to bowl round the wicket and bowl short at the bowler's heart, essentially. Now, Joe Root asked Wood to bowl of that manner of delivery and that style of bowling when the conditions were suitable for swing and seam. You know, you, it, it, this is a guy who's bowling for his future mm. um, and he's being asked to bowl in a way, in exactly the same way, actually, that Liam Plunkett was asked to bowl in 2014 against India. And he disappeared. Never saw him again in Test cricket. And, and also, when the tail enders was in, when it was the perfect time to bring on the best two bowlers to the tail end, which is Stokes and Wood, we stuck with uh, we stuck with Jam, uh, Jimmy um, for for ages, for ages. Now he came on um, on, the, on the on the final morning, didn't he? On the day three morning, and he cleaned it up. But he should have been bowling the night before mm. with his pace. He's our quickest bowler. That's the idea. Your quickest bowler bowls against the tail, without a doubt, because he can knock them over with his variable pace, whether it be the short ball, whether it be Yorker um, and stuff like that. But he's not being used properly, and I fear for him. I think he might be the one that abs- absolutely sits out the next test. It's going to be at Edenley. Woodle's miss out, and in, 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 in he'll come Wokes. 100%. Well, look, we'll talk about Headingley. We'll talk about the batting. We'll talk about more about the preparations because that is an absolute key point for me that you raised. Pakistan, and this is something that we did highlight a few months ago, Pakistan are going to play a test match before playing England. England have welcomed back the likes of Butler and Stokes. They've, they've done okay uh, into this side. They haven't played Red Bull cricket. Darwin Milan saying... He didn't feel we had enough time in the middle because he'd only played four innings uh, since March. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to hear from Joe Root. We're going to hear from Trevor Bayliss. Uh, we're going to hear from a, a whole host of names. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. 
Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. So plenty to talk about on the show, Goffy. Plenty of areas of concern for England. But let's start with that preparation that we uh, flagged up earlier in the show. Joe Root, England captain, was actually asked after uh, day four, uh, after England had lost by nine wickets, whether England's preparation for this Test match had been as good as the visitors. The majority of the squad played um, at least two Championship games coming into this. And you know we've got some very experienced players in that room that uh, played a lot of Test cricket, so... Um, it'd be easy to use that as an excuse preparation we did some really good things in those three days we didn't pull through on it simple as that and when we turn up to Headingley we have to have that same approach keep that intensity in the practice and trust that when we get into into the games you know we follow through on it and it works now there's been a lot of focus Goffey on and this is something that has surprised me but Essentially, England have decided to change the way they go about things in terms of their training and preparation for test matches. They want it to be more individually based on what the players are going to need out in the middle. Um, They want an increase in intensity because they felt that training sessions for test matches, unlike the ODI stuff, kind of lack direction. Now, that's one thing to hear. And you hear this a lot in football, don't you? Or or at at cricket clubs as well, when a new coach comes in, the first thing he seems to do is, you know, gets everyone running around the, the around the pitch a hundred times and gets the intensity back in training. and And you can understand why, at the end of someone a coach's tenure, those players who aren't involved quite so much um, might not be putting in the effort. Um, certain things might start to slide. You, you hear it so many times, but I find it slightly worrying to hear that that's happening within the England setup, and those those messages are coming out of the camp just after an Ashes series. So the question is this: if if the training sessions are lacking in intensity, and the team themselves are taking it upon themselves to uh, add more spice to proceedings, what the hell has been going on for the last six months or a year? Well, there's plenty of... I, I was with England last year, wasn't it, Edinley? There was plenty of enthusiasm playing football um, <laughs> before they started the Nets. It's something what we need to have a good look at. I think there's lots of things um, uh, need to possibly change. We've seen the way England is a close-knit uh, unit um, from all the coaching uh, staff. If you look at, um, bless him, um, Andrew Strauss is going to took, take some time off now to be uh, with his wife, Ruth, um, and wish him all the best. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah, um, I exchanged messages with him uh, the other day. Wish him all the best. But him stepping down, uh, we go for the same voice uh, coming in to replace him in Andy Flower. Andy Flower leaves the Lions. We go back uh, to the same coach who's with England and doing the same job to to give the players the same message as he's doing with England main team. So that's the Lions. So for me, it's too, it's too much of a comfort uh, zone area where it's the same voice all the time and it's a little group of coaches that are together and it's too much. It really, really is and uh, they're getting no fresh input whatsoever and I think it's important, but you get that. Uh, Pakistan played uh, Ireland in a test match and you know you, you you raised the opinion that maybe it should be England playing the test match against Ireland but of course it should rather than playing a county game we keep going on about and I've, I've, I've spouted on many times John on this show and you've heard me about the pitches we play not being good enough early part of the season um, 
teams want results. To win the county championship now, it's totally different to what it was 10, 15 years ago, where you, you could win it with six or seven victories. Now you have to win nine or ten to win it. So people are willing to win to lose. You look at the table as it is with knocks. Mm. One, three, lost three, is it? I think it's something yeah. like that. One, three, lost two. Well, there you go. So yeah. it, it, it kind of evens itself out. There's no... Going unbeaten in the season, you won't win the title. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you, you won't. You, you're better off losing. Let me from, let me stop you. Let me stop you there, Gothic. So I want to let's hear from Coach Trevor Bayliss because again, he was peppered with questions, and one of the questions he was asked was, "Why didn't you let your players play more first-class cricket before this Test series so they could get runs under the belt?" Let's hear what he had to say. I suppose we've got to make the decision. Is is it worth playing on some of those little? seeming green tops where the little slow medium paces take a lot of the wickets um, we felt it was better to get him in and do some hard work with him in the in the nets you know, the other thing we need also is someone putting pressure on from outside and scoring plenty of runs you know and that's not necessarily happening at the moment either so that in itself Goffey the coach Trevor Bayliss saying the reason he didn't let Mark Stoneman play and the reason he didn't think it was worthwhile a lot of the players playing four day cricket Four-day county championship cricket is because the conditions, i.e. the weather and the pitches, are so poor, you're not going to get anything out of it. Well, there you go. There's my point. Exactly. So England would be better off actually fitting in a test match against one of the smaller nations every year to make sure players come back from the IPL a week earlier and they get some red ball practice on a good pitch, a test, test match against Ireland, against Afghanistan, you could even have it against Scotland. Something different to have a game well, and get the players together and get the mind focus on five-day cricket. Because come that first morning, did we look prepared? Did we look prepared? No. Did we look as though we'd solved all the problems? We'd had all winter in Australia and some of the problems we'd had in New Zealand? No. I don't know where Trevor Bellis has been. I, mean, I might be out of place here. But have, has anybody seen him this summer until Lords? No. I've not seen a sausage. Has he been at any county game? Well, you just heard. There's no point. Well, there you go. You're so not going to learn not been anything. Anywhere. Not been anywhere. And, and, and this is what I'm saying. This is, I, I, I give him with it all. It's the same voices. It's the same selection. It's the same this. We might change the name. And giving Ed Smith the chairman of selectors, which was a strange choice in itself. Mm. But it's going through the same system. So we're going to get the same result. Trevor Bayliss has been quoted. He tells England batsmen to have a good, hard look at themselves. Do you think Trevor Bayliss is having a good, long, hard look at himself? No, because I don't think he thinks it's his fault. I you, think if this would have been... Is, say this were Peter Moore's in charge, right? Yeah. Uh, of this country, he'd be sacked now. Yeah. He'd yeah, have been really. sacked plenty. Of t- he'd have been sacked after the winter. And that's the way it is. Oh, he's Australian. Must be good. But got a bit of players. It's a collection of everything. We're all over the shop. We've got to, the players have got to take a lot of the blame as well, by the way. I told you Mark Rampakash were there, sat mm. there, pulling his hair well, out let's talk when he about saw that. that shot off Ben Stokes. What can he do? You can give him all the messages you want about mental preparation, about batting long, batting deep, making it difficult to get out in 
those conditions against Pakistan. Get to their poorer bowlers. Get to Ashraf. Get to their spinner, Shadab, who's not as good as Yassir Khan. We know that. Mm. So get to them. Make them dig deep. We didn't do it at all during the game, except for one point in the game when we are already out of it, when Josh Butler and Don Best on debut played very, very well. Uh, let's hear from the captain Joe Root speaking uh, exclusively with uh, our very own Guy Swindles. Being brutally honest, we've you know, been outperformed across the board, um, you know, batting, bowling and in the field. And, you know, it's, it's, it is disappointing. We have to be better. You know, first innings in particular with a bat, that's, it's, it's not you know, what you'd expect from an England team in these conditions. And uh, like, like it's, it's difficult to take. Uh, but, you know, all the guys are hurting up there and it's about how we respond now. And we, we individually got to find ways of, of making sure that we're better. I'm sure that we can do that. Uh, and we've got a great opportunity to do it at Headingley. So it's all about making sure that we, we trust the work that we're doing in the practice uh, and then we go and follow through with that. Can you put your finger on why so many players didn't perform to, to their potential? No, I, I, I can't. Um, you know, I think we do have to be slightly smarter. We, we were well short of what was a par score on that surface. It probably did do a little bit more and, and I thought the Pakistan bowlers exploited the conditions excellently. They bowled very good areas, asked a lot of good questions, but no, we, we should be better than that um, and you know, we have to bounce back. Realistically, you've got three, four days now to turn around. What can you do in, in, in that time? I think it's a mindset thing. It's making sure that we're really clear on how we're going to go about things as a group, but most importantly, individually. Knowing your own game, knowing how to to read certain situations. You know, if we find ourselves in a in a different in a similar sort of environment, you know, first innings next time round, how are we going to go about it? And uh, and make sure we're really clear on that. And and you know, play with real confidence and, and trust that. Um, and if we do that, we we've seen special things from that group of players up there before, and uh, I'm sure we will see them again. A couple of pluses: Butler, Bess, both did well last night yeah they did um, and, and you know that's that's what I mean they, they had clear methods of how they were going to play their attack in those conditions it probably was a little bit easier to bat towards the back end of the evening compared to the first innings but you know they, they under that pressure the position of the game they, they, they gave us a fighting chance um, coming into today and you know that was really pleasing to see I thought Joss played extremely well <laughs> you, you know he, he put the game back to Pakistan on occasions. He also soaked up pressures. He read the situation really well. And Dom, as well, looked very, very calm. For a guy in his debut, it looked like he played a lot of cricket at, at this level, um, especially with the bat, which is, is not probably his, well, it's not his strongest suit. So really impressive from those two guys. And, you know, I think as a batting group, we've got to learn a lot from the way they went about it. Final thought, sorry really to bring it up, but there's all the stuff about this documentary. Did that have any impact on, on, on the team and, and this match, all that going on behind the scenes? No, not at all. I think the guys were very focused on, um, on the way they wanted to go about practice. And you know, I thought the, the lead-up to this game was excellent. You know, we, we worked on some things the guys really put in, um, and we felt, as a group, we're in a really good place. And it's, make, it, it's going to be really important, actually, that we continue to do that and that we keep, continue to focus that. Um, in terms of this documentary, I'm aware of it. Um, I think the accusations are outrageous. Uh, and I'm, on behalf of the, the players and, and the ECB, you know, categorically deny all of, all of the allegations. So, um, yeah, that's where, that's where we stand on things. Um, and we've just got to make sure we focus on the cricket. Uh, we turn up to head inlay and we put in a really strong performance. Joe Root speaking to Guy Swindles. Uh, and the last couple of questions... Uh, 
is a topic that we will talk about a little bit later in the show, Goffy. Um, the, uh, there's some allegations that have uh, been unearthed today uh, regarding uh, the, the, a test match played by England against India in 2016. And we'll, we'll talk a, a little bit about that later on in the show. Um, but look, Joe Root himself, um, we know, has had a conversion problem. That seems to have continued. We'll talk about Headingley um, coming up, but briefly, do you think the burden of captaincy is affecting Joe Root's batting um, and that what he brings to the team? Well, I'd like to say no, um, but obviously the, the results uh, have gone against him, which is not helping. I think he's scoring runs, but let's say it's the conversion rate, not getting 200. Um, if one of the players, you've got to look at it simply, haven't you? One of the top five, top six, gets a big 100, gets 120, 130. The team's going to get 350 plus. It's simple as that, really, if we're going to be honest. Mm. And we're not doing that. When we do, it's Alistair Cook tends to bat through, gets 200, 200 plus, and there is innings which we'll all be talking about for the next 10, 20 years after he's retired. Um, he misses out too many times. Um, and I said, one of the problems we've got, you look at Mark Storman, he looked out of form today. He didn't look as though he'd had enough time in the middle. His footwork was nowhere throughout the game. Caught on the crease in the first innings. No, he looks one, scared. Yeah. Milan that, looks scared. Yeah, one they all look scared. Up. I think Milan's problem is, but he's got an issue outside of yeah. Stump. Same well, as some of our left-hammers of yesterday. You look at Adam Live when he played for England. Kept nicking off. Jennings as well. Yeah, Rob- Jennings and Robson. kept nicking off. For some reason, these left-handers are playing away from their body mm. and they nick off. It's a technical issue they've all got to sort out. Goffey, we're going to talk about Headingley, what we're going to do for the second test. Uh, very shortly, you're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Know anything about Headingley, Goffey? Just a little bit, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, managed to play a few tests, a few fifers. Uh, would have counted championship. Anything else? Uh, well, look, England have announced their squad for the second test match. And uh, no real surprise, Mark Stoneman has been left out. Keaton Jennings, who moved to Lancashire uh, during the summer, um, has been given a recall um, India, of course, are visitors this summer, and uh, Keaton Jennings scored a century against India on debut. Although, let's not forget, he was also dropped on naught. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so, not in the second innings. What no, a debut that was. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, look, let's look at this because, on the face of it, Mark Stoneman appeared to be struggling in that test match. His form hasn't been great for Surrey. Um, and his, uh, the, the, the returns tailed off slightly towards the end of the winter. So on the face of it, you'd say, OK, I can see the rationale behind it. But, and there's a big but, um, first off, it seems like it, an easy get. Seems like a guy um, that uh, hadn't quite uh, made a, a presence of himself in the dressing room. Certainly there was uh, quite a lot of criticism about him from the likes of Michael Vaughan uh, in the media. It, it seems a bit easy for me, Goffey, and doesn't really address the problems this England team have got. And actually, and we'll go into this, symptomatic to, my, to me that the big decisions still aren't being made. Well... No, the big decision would have been to leave Storman out. Said this 
uh, before the selection of this last test. He was out of form. He kept getting starts. He had um, against the new ball. There was a bit of a worry against the short ball. He's gone back into county cricket. Um, and There's no excuse for him. The county he's playing at have played on some good pitches. If you look at the top run scorers in Division 1, a few of them are from Surrey. Yeah. So it's not like he's gone back into county cricket and played on some of the pitches um, like some of the players have played on. So this is a guy who's played on decent pitches. He's not got a run. He's out of form. Short on confidence against the new ball especially. And he, he doesn't seem to go anywhere. He seems to bat. It's more about trying to bat time mm. than anything else. But this and is, he's this getting is, himself into a, into a hole. But this is what... I don't understand Bayliss. You know, it was only so long ago um, that he was talking about having two out of the three. Remember we had Nick Compton in the studio. You know, Nick Compton scores 80-odd against South Africa. You know, sees off, you know, some terrific fast bowling and helps set the team up for a win. And then Trevor Bayliss, after the game, says, well, we really need two out of the three at the top of the top three scoring quickly. We need to have 80-90 on the board before lunch. Now, Compton looks around thinking, well, Cook isn't going to be scoring quickly, so where does that leave me? Fast forward to the end of this test match, right? And Trevor Bayliss is talking about crease occupation, about about batsmen batting time. So... So which one is it? They don't know, mate. They I've been don't saying this know, for a do long they? Time. They the, don't you, know. You talk about Compton, you talk about Carberry, another one who had an opportunity, who was a very good player. Carberry the, was An excellent off. player, an excellent player. He was sawn off as well, alongside Kevin Peterson, the top two run scorers mm. on that tour to the Australia. We're out of the team. If your face don't fit, your face don't fit. And now... The reason Gubbins didn't got a selection in this test, let me tell you why, is because Bayliss has probably not seen him play. Well, <laughs> I would say that's why right. that's why it is. And he said, I'll tell you what, I've not seen him play, so let's stick with Jennings. Uh, you... Let's go back to Jennings. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think Jennings is in form. So the player's in form. He's scoring hundreds. But they're making a change here while the Royal London one-day trophy is going on. So how, how do they know? Yes, Jennings has got off to a decent start. He's got a couple of uh, four-day hundreds, one in the um, uh, Royal London. I think uh, I'm right in saying that. Yeah. And they've gone for experience, they've gone for, i tell you what, he's played for us before, let's pick him. So that's that's the route they seem to be going down here. So the new chairman of selectors, what's he doing? He's just picking the same old players. So he's not making a difference, well, straight the, away. Well, there's the same old player who's still in there as well. And I know, I'm not suggesting we drop Alistair Cook, but the difference in approach for me is stark. Let's have a little listen to what Joe Root had to say about the form of Alistair Cook before this test match, bearing in mind... Cook had gone past at 50 just two occasions in the previous 19 test innings. He's in a good place. As the rest of the lads, his approach is really well. Um, looks like he's prepared. Well, he's got huge amounts of experience. He's got a lot of good memories at this ground. As far as I'm aware, I can see him playing for another couple of years, at least. Um, that's completely his decision. Um, breaking another record, I think, or equaling another record this week as well. He's such a, a big part of our dressing room and um, when he scores runs we, we seem to, it correlates with us doing well so hopefully he can have a really strong summer and you know, that can all sort of get to the back of his mind and we can get the best out of him for the next couple of years. Right, so Joe Root talking about Alistair oh, Cook. Dear. And there, there lies a problem. Uh, well, Jordan, there lies a massive what, problem. What have I said to you about we've now got a team where we've got three players concerned about records. 
What's the next record I can break? What's this I can get? And you cannot have a team that is thinking about, well, yeah, I'll, I'll break Borders' record in the next test. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I can get to 550 or I can get to 450 now. When when will that happen? If I'll get 20 wickets a series or 18 wickets a series? Yeah, you, you've got people now working out records. Of all green great players, there still are all good players Mm. Um, but they've been great in the past. Now they're good. They're still good enough to play for England, but at some point, some some hard breakup clause has got to happen. When that is, it's going to be interesting because this winter we're going to be going to Sri Lanka, we're going to go to the Caribbean where the pitches are going to should be flattish. They should favour the spinners. We know that. Don't need. Do you know what I mean? You don't need A levels and a degree to work that out. And one of the things I've said, and I want to take the the thing for this in case it happens. I told England what they've got to do in this break now, after the Pakistan series, before India, is instead of giving the players 10 days off and then saying to them, well, a couple of them can go play T20 before uh, the next test against India, because remember, we've got the one days and T20s for England. So the ones who are not playing, like your Cook, your Anderson Broad, forget county cricket. Forget county cricket, playing T20 and getting slapped all over the park. That's not going to do them any good for the next test match if they're going to be involved. Send them to Sri Lanka for 10 days. Get Broad and Anderson to ball at Cook on those pitches. Take a couple of spinners out with you who are potentially going to go to Sri Lanka so they get used to playing on those pitches, bowling on those wickets. And then when we talk about lack of preparation going into the tour, you've got it right there. There's no excuse. The players have gone out to Sri Lanka and experienced the conditions three months before England go out there. Get it done. It doesn't need to... Let's say, you've got to be prepared and let's do it now rather than give him three weeks off where he can go sit on his farm, on his tractor and play with a sheep. I don't want to see that. I want him working on his game. For me, Goffey, you look at the career of Stoneman, which in all likelihood has probably come to an end at international level, and you look at Alistair Cooks. Joe Roots, in that quote, said uh, there is a direct correlation between Alistair Cooks scoring runs and England winning games of test cricket. Well, actually, that's not quite true because in the time that Cook and Stoneman have been batting together, on only one occasion has, uh, or rather on two occasions, has Alistair Cook scored runs. 243 against West Indies, 244 against Australia in Melbourne. England did not win that second game. They did win the first. But there's also the flip side to contend with this because there is also a direct correlation between Alistair Cook not scoring runs, which he does with frequent, uh, uh, he does frequently, and England losing Test matches. Alistair Cook did not score runs at Leeds against West Indies. England lost. Alistair Cook did not score runs against Australia in Brisbane, in Adelaide, in Perth, and in Sydney, and England lost. Alistair Cook did not score runs against New Zealand in Auckland and Christchurch, and England lost. So that is but the problem. But that's what he's saying, though, isn't it? No, yeah, I agree with you. But, that's but he's, he's not saying. scoring he runs. Yeah, I so know. So this guy gets to basically play out another two years, merry-go-round. Mark Stoneman, who alongside Alistair Cook, I had a little look at the figures, OK? Now, an average of 27 after 12 matches or 11 matches is nothing to write home about. But Mark Stoneman, in his 20 innings, has gone past 50 five times. On five occasions, so one in four of his test innings, he has been a success. Alistair Cook has gone past 50 three times. Alistair Cook can play out the next two years. Stoneman's gone. Then I looked at who was out first. You might have heard this, Goffey. 
You know, these two have been, are now recognised as the worst opening partnership in the history of England of those who've played more than 10 matches. Now, of the 11 matches they played together, it's not like Stoneman was out first 15 times and it's not like Stoneman was only facing five balls, which is part of the point of an opener is to, to actually face a few balls. Their, their record in terms of balls faced and in terms of who gets out first is almost identical. Yet one guy, his test career is over. The other guy, he's allowed to play for as long as he well, likes. The, the, yeah, but Cook's got the stats to back it up. Well, I, he I hasn't in the last he, year. I know, and I know where you're coming from. And I think when you've... This is one of the problems when you've got the same people doing the same things within England. They, they become too close and it becomes, oh, next series will get it, or next test match will he get won't. it. He won't. Most people, right, broad after the Ashes, let's be honest about this. If that would have been any other bowler, not Anderson or Broad, any other bowler, gone. that would have been it, gone. They wouldn't have played again, right? We saw it with Tudor. Um, we've seen it with, over the years, we saw it with Ogard had a poor series, gone. Army. Army, gone. And, and it happens. Every, every career comes to an end. But I think they're given lives. They know everyone so well. The players know each other so well. They know the selectors well. They know the coaches well. And they rely on them. And they will keep giving them chance after chance after chance. But someone else comes in and doesn't perform. That's it. Jake Ball came in, had a bad test match. Bang. Gone. gone. Tom Curran, gone. You know what I mean? Overton, gone. Mm. Out of the squad. And they, it happens. But these two, because of the wickets they've got, and it's almost like, well, we're, we, we can't afford to leave one of them out. And they'll keep getting chance after chance. Cook will keep getting chance after chance. And has done his whole career. Look at the times he's nearly been dropped. Mm. Look at Ian Bell, the times he was nearly dropped. Kept going back to him. And, and certain that does happen. We've got to accept it. At some point, those three are going to come to an end. And I'm going to ask the same question. And this is what worries me. Where are we going? Mm. Where are we going? At any time at their age, especially Anderson, at his age... An injury can come any time at his age. Where are we going? Have we any idea who's going to replace Anderson? I don't think we've Well, it, if you asked me that a year and a half ago, or a year, I'd say Chris yeah. Wokes, yeah. But, uh, well, he's now been overlooked for Mark In Wood. England, in, in England, well, you would yeah. say Chris Wokes. Yeah. Uh, abroad, uh, you would say, I haven't got a clue. You're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sports 2. So as we alluded to earlier in the show, Goffy, um, some pretty serious allegations coming out of India over the weekend via a documentary uh, screened in Doha, Al Jazeera uh, Investigation, the TV channel into corruption in sport. Cricket Australia and the ECB have said there was no credible evidence linking Australian and English test players to spot fixing after the documentary raised questions about two test matches, England-India in Chennai in 2016, Australia-India in Ranchi in March 2017, allegations that during certain periods of the game, some England and Australian batsmen scored at a rate specified by fixers for the purposes of betting. Um, now, I've seen the documentary and know as, as much about this as the next person. Um, obviously, documentaries can put together evidence to pretty much support any angle they want to. I'd be quite interested to see, as the ECB and Cricket Australia and the ICC are, the full unedited um, TV footage until we see that. We're guessing. But it's a... 
problem the game has had over the years. Do you know something? People always say to me, says, were you ever approached or uh, did anybody strange come up to you in any hotel, whether you're in India or Sri Lanka or South Africa or Australia? And you say, never. Absolutely never. I, I, when it all started coming out there, I said, well, where are they approaching these guys? I always mm. thought I was one of the main players within that England side. Never, ever. Did I have any inkling of someone were trying to ask me about the conditions of the pitch or uh, are England going to bat or bowl? What team they're going to play? How many people are going to wear floppy hats? I don't know where they got the information from because I never, ever got approached unless there was someone within each team who knew the players who they could approach and knew the ones they wouldn't and they knew straight away I was a no-go zone. I've, I, honestly, Johnny, I've... Because when I hear some of these stories, this latest one for me is an absolutely load of tripe. It really is. I, I, I can't see... I, some of the things they're talking about, mm. no idea. Like I say, it doesn't. it's not hard to work out. You go to India, you're playing on a turning pitch, yeah. you've got spinners on at both ends, you're only going to score at two and over, if that... It doesn't take much working out. It's a bit like uh, the Aussies coming to Trent Bridge or uh, Edgbaston and... You know, England getting in trouble or suspicions raised because, you know, we, we, we put a green seamer out there. Well, when we play Pakistan and India, we're going to have more pace in the pitch and a bit more grass on it to start the game, as in we did at Lords, because we're playing against Pakistan and India. Now, they normally, especially India, they've got loads of spinners in their side. So you don't want to give them any advantage whatsoever. So you're going to give the home team advantage. When England go to Australia, they're going to try and put more pace into the pitch and bounce mm. because English players are not used to the bounce hitting the splice uh, of the bat. And then, So it's everywhere you I, go I around the world. That I, happens. I suppose the allegation, and if it is proven to be true, and we don't know if that is the case, and there's been some conjecture about whether the people involved, and this is what you kind of get from these documentaries a lot of the time, you know, it's pretty easy for anyone to sit in a hotel room and pretend they can do these things if there's a promise of money coming their way. You know, I'm not sure that actually the curator who was supposedly linked to the Sri Lankan cricket ground actually was a curator. You know, there's this this kind of information you assume to be true and then you find out down the line it isn't. However, what is important is that um, if a pitch is going to be set up for a test match, you do it so you enable your team to win, sure. But you don't do it so you enable a draw to be taken out of the equation and then you pop to the bookies and make, you know, 20 no, grand off the back be, of it. Of course, that's where uh, it's wrong. But like I said, it doesn't take much working out. Um, when you go to a pitch, when you're in Gaul or Candy or Colombo, and I've been to it all And, and we camp, will be. You can tell, when you look at the pitch, if you know what you're talking about, you know it's going to be an absolute belter, mm. or you know it's going to break up and turn. You would expect when England go there this winter, all three pitches are going to have no grass on them, they should be quite flat in the first day, and they should turn out on day one. I'll tell you now. So I'm telling you that. Is that match fixing? No. It's going to Sri Lanka and knowing they're playing England and they've got good pace attack. Sri Lanka haven't got as good a pace attack. They've got spinners, experienced spinners, and they're going to rely on them to bowl England out. So you know the pitch is going to turn and it probably won't last five days. It doesn't take much working out, Johnny. Uh Australia are going to be visit. Hey, guess what? We're going to be able to watch England against Australia again. It's been, well, about four months since we saw that. I'll be there at the day-nighter at the Oval. Oh, I'll be there as well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to uh, tip England to win 5-0 now. Josh, <laughs> Josh Hazelwood's been ruled out. And considering England beat Australia 4-1 in Australia not that long ago, um, no Cummins, no Stark, no Hazelwood. 
No, Warner and Smith. And, you know, Tim Payne, good guy, but uh, I'm not sure that England will be losing too much sleep about having him well, in the side. Well, everything will be okay then, won't it? Because we'll beat them in the one day. I've found that lately, and that's why I, I don't know how to judge our team, our one-day side. We're doing brilliantly. But it seems as though most of the opposition seem to think, well, well we're not bothered about this. The World Cup's not here yet. So uh, they <laughs> don't true. play their best team, as we do all the time. It's true. A so bit like I the have ashes, no eh? idea whether we are actually... Because I look at England, and I said this to you last winter, we, we're ready for the World Cup yeah. now. We're a we're, year early. We're, we're, we're a year early. We're almost ready. And there's a couple of places we're up for grabs. Johnny Bairstow's made that his own now, opening the batting. And I can't think of a place now for anybody to come in. I'm, I'm, we're really struggling to fit someone in. All the other teams, have, do you know what I mean? They've got mm. these big group of players who they could pick from. And they're waiting until to peak at the right time. My concern is, is but we have peaked too early. <laughs> it's true. The usual story, though, isn't it? We're all prepared. Well, we, it. we used to, in my day, we used to win every one day at home, one day series, get true. battered Texaco away from home. trophy. Yeah, come World Cup, we'd get to a quarter-final. Um, and pff, that tended to be it. Um, Goffey, brilliant stuff. Um, we await with fascination to see just how angry we are uh, this time next week when England get battered against Pakistan in the second test match. No, surely they won't to Edinley. England have got to be better. Well, we England lost... England to be better. you remember who we lost to against... Uh, who we lost to at Headingley last year? Well, West Indies, yeah. That was uh, one of those players played a magnificent innings, didn't he? So, he did. uh, where I remember from that. Um, uh, the producer is, is threatening to uh, throttle me if I don't break. We've got Alex Tudor coming on the show very shortly. We're going to look back at the IPL final and uh, talk about Alex Tudor's career. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Goes in right, he drives through the covers, beats the covers. They're all in trying to save the single. It will run away for four, and the Chennai Super Kings are 2018 IPL champions. They've beaten the Sunrisers by eight wickets. 178 for six was posted by the Sunrisers. We thought it would be competitive. As it turns out, the Chennai Super Kings have chased them down for the loss of just two wickets. And they've got there with nine balls to spare. Shane Watson finishes 117, not out from 57 balls faced. So, Chennai Super Kings back in the IPL. And, uh, well, who writes your scripts, Emma Stoney, by the way? And Shane Watson. Um, Champions, 2018 Indian Premier League, live and exclusive on TalkSport 2. Uh, Andrew McKenna and Alex Tudor uh, bringing uh, all the entertainment as uh, as Chennai overcome uh, Sunrisers Hyderabad for the fourth time in the IPL 2018. It wasn't a classic. Let's not dress it up. It was a little bit one-sided in the end, but pleased to say that for the next hour, Alex Tudor has stuck around. We're going to talk about the IPL and also look back at his career um, with Goffey. Um, but first off, I mean, your initial thoughts. I suppose the only surprise was that it wasn't MS Stoney who came out onto the field and hit the winning runs. Yeah, I sort of called it early. I said it sort of, you know, sometimes 
people's careers are written in the stars and you sort of think, you know, when the runs were written down, he's still going to come in. They'll be free to need it. He'll play the helicopter shot because everyone yeah. be calling for it and he'll hit the winning runs. But the way that Shane Watson went about that innings, um, you know, to scout the first 10 balls. Where he- you should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Look quite... Well, actually, they bowled very well. Bhuvanawish Kumar, as they do, um, and Sharma, they bowled extremely well, so they didn't give him any whip, and he looked a little bit frustrated, but then Sharma bowled him a full one, and he hit it straight back down to long off for four, and then after that, it was absolute brutality. So the first 10 balls for him to get off the mark, and then he goes on and gets 117 or 57. So basically, he's got 117 or 47 deliveries. And Maka was going through the list for me um, because I needed to find out who scored the fastest 100. Well, Chris Grell did that with 30 deliveries. But there's actually about 10 or so players that have got T20 hundreds within 40 deliveries, which was a, a little bit of a surprise. So, you know, it just shows you, you know, if you do give yourself a little bit of time, not much mind. Mm that you can play catch-up. And when you have the strength of Shane Watson, because let's not, let's not mess around here. He's not going to run between the wickets too, too fresh, is he? Um, and he cramped up after he got 50. Uh, basically, he scored 92 of his runs in boundaries. Um, so it was a fantastic power display of hitting. And uh, for once, the, you know, if you take away Bhuvnawish Kumar, and uh, Rashid Khan, who's just he just gets better and better, doesn't he? Um, the rest of the bowlers fetched it, and uh, it was an easy win. I'll tell you what about Chennai, what impresses me. Like I said, they've been out for a couple of years, haven't they? Uh, because obviously the, um, 
they got kicked out of the competition uh, to uh, do their suspension. But the, when they've come back, they've gone back to the same coaching uh, unit. They've gone back to Dorney. Um, and they've gone for some experience in their camp. And I think that's what makes it more impressive uh, for me. I thought this season, I, wa I wasn't 100% sure CSK would do it again. But they just keep doing it. Players like Dwayne Bravo, you've just mentioned Watson, Stephen Fleming, the coach. They have the same bowling coach, the same physio, mm. and everything that goes with it. It's just a well-oiled unit. No, you're, you're right, Goffey. I mean, uh, you know, Maka mentioned it in commentary that when they went to the auction, you know, when they were selecting, it wasn't for three years' time and getting some youngsters. It was for the here and now. And uh, as you said, they went back to some, you know, players that had been with the franchise for a long time. You know, Yashurish Rayner, MS Dhoni, Guaranteed, um, Jadeja, Ravinda Jadeja, and obviously Dwayne Bravo. That was the four. That was the basics, of the nucleus of their side, the spine as to say, if we, you're sort of using football terminology. And then, got, and then they went for Abhijan Singh, who had won the competition with Mumbai, Mumbai Indians, Indian, I right. think, what, two, three, four times or something? So yeah. they went for experience there in Abhijan um, as well. Um, like I say, I just think they're a very hard team to get. If they get their noses in front, nobody's going to beat them. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, obviously Amabati Radu's had an absolute fantastic tournament, best of his career, but he's always been very consistent. He, you know, he sort of used to get a lot of 50s, but never really kick on. But this year, he's been absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, you know, nearly getting 600 runs in the tournament is fantastic. Um, but they've got four players getting well over 400 odd runs. And I think, you know, when you're chasing, um, you know, they were the second highest um, run scored against them in the competition. But so, you know, they did a lot of chasing and they chased very well. I know MS Dhoni got them over the line a couple of times. Dwayne Bravo, I think, in the first game when they shouldn't have won, he got a 69, I think. Flaff to Plessy. Yeah, Flaff as game, well. Yeah. yeah, so they've, they've chased it down. So it hasn't been so much their, their bowling this, this term, but what it has been is their batting and it's been absolutely breathtaking. And as you say, Shane Watson today was different class. What is it about Shane Watson? I mean, he's one of these players that... I suppose, Goffey, I mean, he'll always be remembered as a bloke who played in the gold, but his exploits are more Chennai than Australia. <laughs> well, he's played in all... What is it? IPL, what is it at the moment? IPL 12? 10. IPL 11. 11. IPL yeah. 11. Yeah. Shane Watson's played in all 11. He has. Yeah. I think Absolutely played in all 11. He was man of the series wait, in two got, of them. Wait, he's got player, he got player of the tournament, didn't he, when he was at Rajasthan Royals with Shane Warne, didn't he? And he got yeah. all those runs. And then I think he, he got it again in 2013. Yeah, so, you know... He, He'll be he, man of the match for this final. I think he's been man of the match for another final. When, when he went to RCB, it didn't quite work out. And he sort of alluded that in his interview, actually. He was like, well, you know, it didn't quite work out. He didn't open the batting. Um, he was batting at five. And for me, it was a little bit wasted. You know, mm. when you've got someone like that, you need to get him up the order. So they got that wrong. So obviously... Well, it's same as Butler, isn't it? Same with Rajasthan with <laughs> Butler. They were batting him at five and six. And as soon yeah. as he went up to open, five fifties in a row. It makes a difference. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, he, he, he has that brutality, doesn't he? Um, you know, he hits straight. He has a very strong base. And as I said, there's no real grounds around the world, especially in India, that are, are big enough. Alex, can I just say, you've done most of the IPL. You've been around. You've watched it all. You know a lot of the players. It's been a bit of a disappointment. Uh, really, the English players uh, mm. th in the IPL not getting enough game time. We've seen at Rajasthan, obviously, Stokes and Butler have got plenty of time out in the middle, but some of the other franchises not really use the English players. No, as you, uh, and, and we said this in, in commentary, you know, you, you think of the players that have been out there, Jason Roy didn't really, apart from that first game when he got 90-odd, mm. 
He's not really got any. He got left out of the side, then came back, then got left out again. Uh, Chris Wokes, when he went to RCB, it started well. He got wickets, and then they weren't quite happy with the way his death bowling was. So then he got left out, and then Tin Selfie came in. Mo Ali only got a handful of games. Uh, you know, you think of Chris Jordan, you know, Sam in, Billings, in, you know, Sam Billings, Alex Hells. You know, they didn't really. You know, they they got some opportunity, but they just, yeah, they just didn't really flourish. Um, and they don't mess around because you've got, you know, seven international players. Only four can play. So if you're not cutting the mustard, unfortunately, you're going to find yourself on the bench. And a lot of them have. Yeah. Do you think that's down to most of the coaches, though, tend to be around from South Africa and Australia? Yeah. Obviously, a couple of Kiwis in there now we've got. And if you look at RCB, another useless performance from them this year. Yeah. And I think Daniel Vittoria will be hanging on to his job there. If he keeps that, I'll be amazed. And he's guilty of actually picking his own. He picked so many Kiwis within his squad and none of them really backed him up and performed. Yeah, I mean, I I, I love RCB because I'm a massive AB and uh, Coley fan but I just think they get it all wrong every time in the auction they always decide to go top heavy with their batting and and they just think right whatever the the opposition get we're going to chase well it hasn't worked for them this year and uh you know when you've got Virat Kohli and AB in your team you do not need the cock and 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 Brendan McCullum as well um I just think you you can sort of balance your team slightly better and that's why I do like the sunrisers. I just think Tom Moody and Laxman and Muraliferan, when they do get to the auction, they sort of balance their side a lot better, where RCB just to tend to go top-heavy with their batting. They neglect their bowling, and then they want to know why they can't, you know, when they get 200, why they can't sustain it, you know, why they can't keep the opposition out. They, it's something they need to address. Um, I said the auction next year, for me, is going to be fascinating. A, will we see as many England players getting a gig? And two, will RCB actually buck up their ideas and, and get the balance of their side right? What about the uh, success stories then? I mean, Rashi Khan uh, today, excellent, and, and he single-handedly dragged Sunrisers through to the final uh, with both bat and ball in, in the, the, the eliminator mm. against KKR. I, for one, cannot wait to see how he goes alongside some of those other Afghanistani players at the World Cup next year. Yeah, they're going to be a good side. Um, Rashid Khan, he just keeps getting better and better. He had a very good big bash with Adelaide Strikers. He's gone to the IPL and he's shown everyone what he's about. I think he's going to be going for a few more noughts in the next auction. Um, I I just love... Um, the only person, I suppose you say he's English, but we've got to wait a few more years for him. Yeah. But Joffrey Archer <laughs> is absolutely quality. We're claiming quality. him, T. Well, We're claiming I, him. I, I just don't understand. Apparently he's got, his mum's got an English passport, but I don't know. But he's still got five years mm. to wait. And I just think someone of that ability and, and showing what he can do is just a waste on the world stage. Well, look, it's been absolutely fantastic broadcasting the IPL uh, and hopefully back next year. But for the rest of the show, uh, delighted to say we are in the company of Alex Tudor. You're listening to Daryl Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Alex Tudor, our guest uh, on Darren Goss Cricket Week. Uh, Alex, thanks for uh, sticking around. Um, and a chance, really, for us to have a little look back um, at uh, where it all began, really. Oh, gosh. So, in terms of the uh, the heroes growing up, was it always... I mean, with your physique, you imagine you were, you were born a fast bowler, but 
Was that was that always the way? No, I mean, you talk about my physique now, it's only because I go gym now, Dark, I don't have to worry about bowling, but uh, not gone quite like Chris Tremlett. He's an absolute mountain. <laughs> no, that, but, that you know, is ridiculous. Yeah, but um, yeah, I was quite slow and, um, tall and slim. Um, I, I think I was always destined to bowl fast bowl, uh, to be a fast bowler. I, 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 spin wasn't for me. Um, just wanted to be a bit of a tear away. And, you know, if I couldn't get wickets, try and hurt the batsmen out, you know, if they're, if they're going to be silly enough in getting away. Um, and I just enjoyed it. I had lots of fun. You know, my upbringing was with London schools um, and had great fun playing with them and, and, and meeting, having new friends and then obviously touring the country and meeting the likes of Freddie when I was about eight years old and playing against him, going up to, you know, playing against Yorkshire and, and testing yourself against the best in the country at that age. Because, you know, when you're playing school cricket, you dominate. You play at club, you dominate. You, you know, you're at your county and you're doing well. But how are you... How are you against them boys up north? You know who play it hard like and, they're, and, and they're and they're coming at you. You know you you know a southerner. You know you're going up there. You're going to know about it, and you had to sort of get your respect for your performances out in the middle, and and that's what I I try to do. Um, and I felt that uh, that happened, and then you know Swanee when he was young, um, slightly getting into it, and his older brother Alec and. You know, go to Sussex and James Pymont was there and he used to get millions of runs. David Sells at Surrey used to get millions and likes. And you just test yourself. And, you know, we had great fun. And then we came together as a, as a unit when we were sort of young England. And uh, we had a great time. And we went to some fantastic places. South Africa, we were the first team after the apartheid to go out there in 93 and played against, you know, McKenzie, Dippenar and all these guys. And we beat them. Um and Freddie originally wasn't meant to be on the tour, but Ben Hollyoke um, wasn't allowed to go from his school. Um, Millfield said no, and Freddie got a call up, and then it ended up being top run scorer because in those days he, he couldn't bowl. He had a, a, a back injury, and he couldn't bowl. And he went out there, got 500 runs on the tour, and then never looked back, and then just kicked on from there. So, I, you know, I played and forged some fantastic friendships. And then obviously, you know, Watching as a young guy, seeing Goffey tear in in that series out in Australia, and he was the new the new thing. And sadly, you know, after the, I think it was the third, fourth Test match, he, he had that injury and he had to come back. And and then later in life, I ended up you know bowling with him, which was absolutely fantastic. And uh, you know, Caddick and and all these likes, you know, you see him on a TV, Alex Stewart, Nasser, and Affers and Ramps and these guys, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm playing in the same team as them. So you know, it's sort of pinch yourself moment, but. You know, it, it was good times and I enjoyed the times we played. Yes, we didn't have a lot of success, especially playing against Australia. Um, but playing against other teams, we had some success and, and it was great fun learning off, off the great guys. When did it turn for you from obviously performing for London schools, mm. um, getting in the England Nines, but when, when did Surrey come knocking? Was that, uh, was that a shock or were you always on their radar? Yeah, I think I was always on their radar, to be fair. And to be fair, Goffey, they try and claim me as well. Um, not only we went to a dinner quite recently and, uh, you know, Charles was emceeing and they tried to claim my youth. And I was like, no, London schools. I was a London schools boy up to 16. Went to MCC ground staff for a summer. And then I think it was in 94 when you guys were playing South Africa and uh, Alex Stewart was walking with his uh, throwdown buddy, Jeff Arnold. And he'd walked across the nursery and he, and he saw me and he said, look, your brother had signed as a young man you're going to do the same. And, you know, as the gaffer, he always gets his way. And when Alex Stewart talks, you listen. And uh, I was like, okay, then. <laughs> and then uh, my dad and I went down to the Oval and, uh, you know, they offered me a contract. And it was quite funny because when I initially went in, um, they offered me this contract and my dad went, 
son stand up? And I was like, well, Dad, what are you doing here? He went, you've embarrassed me. You've offered my son that when you know Gloucester have come in and offered him five years and he can go here and go there. <sighs> and he basically told me to get out of the meeting. And um, we went home. And my mum was like, how did it go? And I was like, well, mum, I, I, I think I'm not signing. And she was horrified. And then, um, you know, sorry, apologise. I went back and they actually doubled their offer. So my, so dad, my, dad, my dad knew exactly what he was doing and, uh, and, and, and sort of backed his son and knew the potential. And yeah, I, I sort of tell that story quite a bit. And, you know, from a 17-year-old panicking, thinking, oh my God, I'm not going to sign for sorry. Who's going to have me? It was like... They said that I got double, double the wage, which was quite nice. What was, was it? the first wicket? It was the first wicket, T. My first, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, my my debut was at Lords, which was you know I'm blessed and lucky to have my debut at Lords. Mine, we lost in two and a half days. A tough Norwood Embry sorted us out, but uh, my first wicket was Jason Pooley. Nicked him off. I didn't mind a left hander, so <laughs> I, I, I nicked him off. And then uh, Paul Weeks, a good mate of mine, nicked him off too. And then Ramps felt sorry for me when he was 230. And- <laughs> Clipped, <laughs> clipped it to square leg um, to Nadeem Shahid, um, and uh, yeah, he got a, a double. Un- he got a double hundred. Um, Keith Brown got a hundred, and they got plenty. And then yeah, as I said, um, Embry and Tuffle saw us off, and uh, yeah, we lost in two and a half days on my debut. Goffey, what was it like as a Northerner coming up against these? I wouldn't ever call Alex Tudor a Southern softy. Well, sorry, <laughs> Strut- he sorry Strutters. Uh, sorry, Strutters. We, we, yeah. we used to call them. Um, yeah, I mean, the commentator, the, the uh, rivalry comes from the 60s, mm. when if it wasn't mm. Yorkshire winning the title, Surrey used to just nip in and win the odd one. Uh, <laughs> when you look, and so What's it was that, du- a seven in a row? What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was Doug Padgett used to call them the, um, um, the Surrey uh, Brown Hatters. And um, so there's always been that little bit of competition between competition between Yorkshire and Surrey. But but, um, but you you know you're not shy of strutting around yourself. It must have been what me? Yeah, give over. Come on. <laughs> you're having a laugh. Co- Nothing to up. the likes of Alex Stewart and <laughs> Nadim Shahid <laughs> and Thorpe. I mean, they had Martin Bicknell. There were loads of them. T there strutting around with his big shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> they were never ending. Ali Brown, oh, Mark please. Butcher, Adam Hollyoak, Adam Hollyoak coming with no helmet on. Yeah, there were loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> were you uh, were you too nice though, Alex? Uh, that was that was branded. Uh, I think Duncan Fletcher and a few others um, believed that I was too nice as a fast bowler. But growing up, my dad said let the ball do the talking. It was never much. I just think as a bowler, you shouldn't chirp because you look like an absolute muppet if you're you know you're chirping and the batsman's dispatching you to all parts. And I remember always Affers always talks about that. You know the batsman's always going to win because in a stare down. At the end of the day, you've got to go mm, back and bowl. you got to turn around. So he always wins. So I never really got into that. It would only be if someone was annoying me um, or I wasn't bowling well. I'd try and get myself worked up or something. But I, I was never a chirper. But what was it like standing at the top of your, the mark knowing that the batsman was scared? Maybe when I was younger. Um, I know. I remember always telling Stephen Peters, even though he never... Uh, admits it when we played Essex as a under 11 he cried before coming in <laughs> and his mum had run his mum had run round to my dad and, and asked me to slow it down and uh, I'm sorry Stephen I'm sorry I'm telling this story on national radio fella but Mate, it, I would have it must be a London thing it, because I remember Toby Radford crying when we played Australia under 19s at Perth and I was next <laughs> in the back and he walked off and I thought what's happened here has it been it and he was just but he got out and he was crying on his way off. So it must be a it must be a London thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Goff? I mean, what you know, two fast bowlers. 
You know, you it it must be a well. You tell me, what's it feel like to know that you've got a ball in your hand and you're about to run in? You're mm. about to pelt this ball down down there. It's going to be going at the batsman ninety mile an hour, and you know that that batsman is scared <laughs> about getting hurt. Uh, well, we used to um, have a little bit of fear when we went in ourselves uh, to bat. We know what it's like. Mm. So I saw it as an opportunity to get the first one in if I was bowling first. I knew it was coming my way. I used to go out to bat with a flashing light on my head. I thought I was going down pit. <laughs> Every time I went in, I just got bounced for fun. It was like, have I got a target on top of my head? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Who was the worst? Who was the worst ones to bounce you? But bounce you two, like. When you had to go into battle. We could talk about Brett Lee a bit later. Well, to be fair, me, I think everybody I played against in <laughs> test cricket, I mean, every team I played against back in those days, it's not like now. There's not as many quick bowlers. I mean, and that's no, not correct. going to back in my day. That's just been no, a, an honest true. opinion. You look at pa- uh, Pakistan and they had uh, Wakai Yunus and Wazi Makram and Akib Jada. Javid charging in That's and right. Shoy Bakhtar followed him uh, not not long after. You go to Australia, they had Craig McDermott, they had Glenn McGrath, who wasn't obviously as rapid, Brett Lee, Jason Gillespie. You, you had uh, India, they had Trisanth, you had uh, Sri Lanka. Yeah, um, yeah uh, sorry, not Trisanth, he came Shrinath, after, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, Trisanth, Yeah, Srinath. Every team, Chris Cairns played for New Zealand, he got it through, you know what I mean? So every team had some quick bowlers. That's right. And it was very, very difficult. South Africa were the worst. They had about six of them. Yeah, they did, um, they? Oh, six of Brian McMillan came in as third change and he used to bowl at 90 miles an hour. Alan Donald, Sean Pollock in his pump, by the way, when he was young. Wow. What he was as quick as it gets. Yeah, yeah he is as quick as it gets. And he mm. was a great bouncer. So it was horrible back in those days. And I think I'd like to probably have a go at it now when they're not so quick. <laughs> Mind you, I'll tell you one of the worst I faced were Freddie. Yeah. Fred. Really? When Fred was at his real uh, best yeah. um, and he was fit and strong and playing for England uh, around that 2005 era, I played to him and I was at the end of my career. And. Um, he bowled at me in a one-day game, and I tell you what, he bowled quick, mate. He bowled really, really yeah. quick on not a quick pitch at uh, Old Trafford. So he was right up there. Yeah, definitely. I, I I remember facing Fred at the Oval. Him and Jimmy, when Jimmy was fresh-faced, the Burnley Burnley Express and uh, Ricky Clark was batting extremely well at the other end. We're trying to save the game, and then Freddie decided to go round a wicket. I have to say that was not fun. I I scored eleven, um, and for me, I faced a lot of balls, seven, maybe seventy balls. And, uh, you know, Jimmy and uh, Freddie running in was not fun. Um, but I got through it. And, um, you know, you have to be brave. And, oh, yes, you know, we'll most probably go on to the, the, the Brett Lee thing. But um, Freddie was very, very quick. And because of his height and because he was high in his action, he used to get that steep bounce. And it's mm. coming around your chest. And you're not sort of getting on that front foot. And uh, as you say, when you're a low, lower order batsman, I'm able to, you know, I had some ability with the bat. But, it, uh, yeah, you're, you're dancing around the crease a bit. Well, uh I'm no doubt yet to be brave when you made your debut as an England cricketer in the ashes. Uh, and we'll be talking about that very shortly here on Darren Goss Cricket Week. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Alex Tudor, our guest uh, on Darren Goss Cricket Week. Uh, Alex, thanks for uh, sticking around. So... Chutes, can you name the 11 that made up the Aussie team? On my debut? Mm. I, I, I'll have a go, I'll tell you. It was Michael Slater. Not bad. Taylor. Pretty good. Langer. War. War. <laughs> Ponting. 
Healy. <laughs> Fleming McGrath Gillespie. Am I missing one? I don't think I am. Is that 11? Is that 11 or 10? It might be 10. Who's the other one? Um, Healy. Say it again. From Healy. So from Healy, seven. No, I don't think they had one big one. They're not at Perth. Yeah, in that series, who was it? Well, it was was McGill, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, Giller, but he didn't play at Perth. Um, I think it went, after Healy, it went Damien Fleming, maybe Gillespie, um, was it the McGraw. guy? Um, was it? I'm trying to think of the. Oh, scene. Nicholson. Nicholson. Yes, because he he licked oh, he licked a couple yeah. of the boys down, didn't he? he? I remember being in the change room. He hit Butch, and Butch was one of the best players of um, fast yeah. bowling, and he got hit. And I remember Crofty um, getting going in the change room and trying to find every piece of protective wear. <laughs> um, Talking about being scared. Yeah. Oh, were... Cro- Crofty um, he w- wasn't a brave. He, he found a way to play against yes, short he did. Ball, he but did. he hated he, it. He, he absolutely He, he stayed leg side and he used to hit it up over a point yeah. and cover. And then, you know, he did well in one day cricket, didn't he, for Glamorgan when he used to go up the order and bat in the 50 overs and, and got a lot of runs. But, you know, he was effective. He could bat, but, yeah, he wasn't the bravest. Do, do you know on that test, um, I played in it, uh, by the way. Um, so I think what I remember of, uh, of that where you walked in, didn't you? And we were in the... Uh, we weren't doing very well. We, we were 81 for seven, to be fair. Yeah. 81, because I looked this up, because I remember it. We are 81 for seven, and you walked in. We were all out for 112, but you managed to... Uh, got 18 not out. out. I got 18 yeah. not out. I remember walk. I remember, because I think, look, Bumble was coach, and he had... He, instead of getting either Goff or someone to have a chat with me, you know, and he got Alan Mullally. Al Malau, what? Al Malau, he said, because you know he was very laid back and he got the Olympic rings. He got the, he did, he did. Talk. That was brilliant. And um, he, he gave me a chat. He just sort of said, "Jude, test cricket, it's easy, mate. What you do, touch your toes, um, and just get on with it." I thought, "All right, words of wisdom." That cheers, Al. And then they sort of said, "Oh, Jude, you know, as a young lad, you may get it. They may come after you." Oh, well, they couldn't be any nicer. As I walked in, Steve Wars walked past me. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to cop it here. He's gone, welcome to Test Cricket. And that was it. I was like, what? <laughs> what? What's going on here? Um, and, How and, long before the short ball came down? Well, I think, Flem- I think Fleming gave me a, a couple off that short run-up of his. I know, yeah. Um, and Gillespie, well, just because of the bounce, I was able to leave it. But he was a phenomenal bowler. When you, uh, Forget 2005, because I think few people remember Jason Gillespie 2005. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Listen, in the 90s... He that was boy yeah. was quick no, and he you know had what? a bolt upright seam and he went in and out. And I remember Shane Warne saying they felt that he was going to get more test wickets than Glenn yeah. McGrath. Do you know what? He I was think, quality. I think I'm right in quoting this. that Ian Healy said the fastest Australian bowler he ever stood behind the stumps to was, Gillespie. was Jason Gillespie. He was sharp, let me tell you. And you know that Australia <laughs> now have got this image of being a, a fast bowling uh, country, country, mm. and then everyone mentions Dennis Lilly, yeah. and everyone mentions Jeff Thompson. Mm. Between Lilly and Thompson and Mitchell Johnson, say mm. it was Gillespie. It was Gillespie. actually they didn't have that many before no. Brett Lee. 
They didn't have that no. many. Mind you, Brett Lee was quick. Out and out. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he, well, he's the quickest half faced. I'm looking at a man who knows that <laughs> only too well. Well, well listen, we'll get on to that later because oh, I, what I remember about the bowling, though, T in that test as well. Mm. Did I drop Ponting off you in the first innings? Or yes, the you second? did. First. Well, the first. well, you got him out, though, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, well, I, 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 I got him out. <laughs> so you dropped him down at fine leg. On the up. And then you came in and said, oh, yeah, pretty much, mate. You know, he pulls off length, didn't he? And um, you dropped him and you was like, oh, choose, I'm sorry. You were bowling like an absolute dream. From the other end, um, the Fremantle doctor end, you were bowling top draw. And then um, I nicked him off. I don't know if I actually nicked him. I think it was off his shoulder, but I don't care. It's Ricky Ponting. <laughs> it's Ricky Ponting. He can walk back. And then um, you came in, and obviously he hadn't punished us. And you were like, cheers, T. Cheers. <laughs> like, cheers. Well, it is a rescue job, that, because Ricky Ponting, well, what a player he was. He I played was. against him plenty of times. And... Uh, uh, I was just relieved because whenever you drop a catch, I didn't drop that many because my hands were decent. Yeah. But I dropped him on the hook. I ate a bit on the hook. It was the worst position you could be, especially when you were bowling. People think you're hiding down there, but you're not. You're not. You're no. busy. If it's a right and left hander, you're changing around all the time. And um, and it's coming off. Oh, it came and it was going up with a sky in yeah, Perth, right. and I went, oh, it was swirling. Yeah. And I, I I did well to get a paw on it. To be fair, <laughs> I didn't even think I was going to get anything on it. No, no, you did really well. Bigger. There was a there was some. Criticism of the decision to play you is that right? It was Caddick was well, no, it was between me and Dean Edley. Oh, was that it the was, t- it was, no? Caddy didn't make the tour. Caddy oh, oh, had, had got the tour ahead of Caddick. Well, well, you were picked uh, instead of Caddick. Well, yeah, yeah, you were. Right, yeah. I don't think it was my position because I was the young lad because they always took a young lad on tour. Mm. And Ashley Cowan had gone the year before to the West Indies and enjoyed himself He'd only a little went, bit. He, no, no. He went because I pulled out uh, of the West Indies. And opera, yes, and um, right. uh, Cowan took my place. All right, well, um, I don't know. Yeah, Cowan I, for Goff is a little yeah. bit... Well, he's a fresh-faced young lad. Goffey had been a senior player. I don't know if that would have been the right decision. I think they took a young lad on tour. And Ashley Cowan enjoyed himself far too much, I think, down the St. Lawrence Gap and, <laughs> and other places. Because I remember Affa's... Well, they were first... smoking on the, uh, <laughs> in, in, in the dugout. Well, Aff- <laughs> <that's> how... <laughs> we're having a fag in the dugout. Well, well Affa's first words to me were, don't do a Cowan. Well, I said, <laughs> yeah. well, you ain't got an issue because I don't drink, so that's not an issue, and I'm going to take, op- take this opportunity. Um, so I remember Alex sort of saying, because Dino was the senior bowler to me, obviously, and he wanted to know the night before, and Stewie said, no, I need to, I need to rest on it. So I'll tell you in the morning, well, it was the worst night's sleep ever. Um, <laughs> and I was nervous as hell and then got there in the morning and he said, congrats, buddy, you're playing. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? I'm, you know, Steve Waugh and Ian, Ian Helian, guys that I've watched on TV and now I'm going to play in the same arena as them. Wow, okay. You, so dreams you, do come true. Do you know what I remember about that as well? And I knew, I, I knew exactly how you, were, you got the nod to playing that. I was with Crofty. And there was, if you remember, there was some music being played, uh, a band playing before the start of play. Yeah. And I was walking back uh, with Crofty, and um, I think it was um, others who came up to him and said, "Right, um, you're not, you're not playing in this test." And I promise you, Crofty <laughs> went, "Thank you. We're playing at the Perth. The pitch was going to be quick." Yeah. He went, "Thank you, Lord. Yeah. There is a Lord." And uh, obviously, you got the spot. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was, as I said, um, I suppose the best way to get introduced was bat first, so I can settle down. Well, I was in at before lunch or just after lunch, and um, you know, as you said, got eighteen not out, and you know that sort of settled my nerves. And then Goffey and uh, Corky opened the bowling, um, and then I, I came on. You know, Stewie brought me on quite early on just to you know settle my nerves. And I remember bowling, you know, my first over to Mark Taylor, and 
sort of went, you know, I, I quite enjoy bowling at left-handers and, yeah, bowled all right. And then he was quite complimentary afterwards. Well, I was going to say, Steve Waugh was nice to you when you walked on the field. He was, yeah. And Mark Taylor, I mean... Goffey used to get a bit of praise from the Aussies as well. Yeah, well, I but thought... you, uh, he was actually pretty complimentary about yeah. you at the end of the end of the test. Well, for me, it's better than an MBE. I think you know, when we was there, it was always the chat where who in that England side will get in mm. to this Australian side? Well, it was only Goffey. There was, you know, you think of the players we had: Stewart, Atherton, Nasser, Hickey came out, you know, and it was only Goffey they said would get in their eleven. Um, because he went out there, he played with his heart on the sleeve, he steamed in, he bowled fast, he swung it around, and he, and he caused them problems, so he got that respect. And for me, if you get the respect of that Australian side, that's as good as an MBE for me. And you know, and I always say, look, I didn't play a lot of test matches, I ended up playing six of them via the Australians. And, and you know, my bowling record, apart from when Ricky Ponting took me to town in at Headingley, um, you know, my record was okay against them. So, you know, you judge your, yourself against the best and... You know, as I said, I you know I never got the opportunity to sort of because of injury to play against you. You know, Zimbabwe did, back then and Bangladesh and mm-hmm. those. It was it did was you, India and Australia. T, t did you find it strange though after that game? And it was an impressive debut, mm. right? Uh, the names you got out in that test were Steve Waugh, Mark Waugh, Ponting, McGrath. Yeah. Um, we lost the game, <laughs> yeah. as you would expect. Yes. But we went to Adelaide, and for some reason you were left out in Adelaide, weren't you? Did, is that when they went for Edley because they thought Edley might be better with a reverse swinging ball with a pitch was flat? Because uh, it was flat, if you remember. It was flat and hot. <laughs> and hot. Yeah. It was the, well, it's the hottest I've ever known it. So I think I, I did the reverse. When uh, Crofty found out he weren't playing in Perth, he was uh, very happy. I think sort of reverse in Adelaide because the wicket was flat. Because I remember we played a, a game against um, Gillespie and, and those guys in um, South Australia. And it was flat as it was nearly mm. the keeper was nearly standing up. It was that it was that that flat. So I was quite happy, you know, gone from Perth and bowling well, where you know you just had to get it on a length and it just bounced through. Where Adelaide, where it was steaming out, oh, I think it was like forty-five in the shade, or and, and sixty in the middle. Hey, I've been at Adelaide. And, and okay. Dean Headley bowled a spell, and I remember Wayne Morton, me and Wayne Morton having to carry him off, and like Dino didn't like ice, ice baths back then, and Wayne said, "Dude, we're putting him in there," and we threw him in there because um, he had cramped up. Goffey didn't know. Goffey was still out there bowling. Bless him. Do you know what we did? If you remember <laughs> that game as well, we we bowled uh, one over spells. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And I remember you did that um, up in Cairns in Queensland, in, in a, when when they say where they kept singing that Adam Dell. Adam Dell got a few wickets, and he kept bowling, and and Goffey and uh, I think it was Al Malau yeah, had to bowl one over spells because it was that hot. And I remember um, 4P was having a few problems with his back and he didn't play that game. So we were doing a little bit of fitness with uh, with, with Dean Riddle. And um, I remember we went and did some fitness and we got attacked by magpies, which was, an, 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 and I was trying to hide, the big six foot five man trying to hide behind like five foot five Graham Fort was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's look at, uh, the next series is New Zealand, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, yes. for me. Yeah. yeah so true. were you on the, were you on the balcony when the crowds were booing? Was that- yeah, I. It, that was weird. So, you know, obviously, you know, Edgebaston and, you know, things had gone well. And then I got injured. Um, I'd gone to Lords, and um, I'd gone for a scan because um, I was having some issues with my knee. And um, the scan had uh, – and, and Nasser and Wayne and that didn't know about it. I, I think it was through – sorry, I went for a scan. Um, and it had come back that – you know, the specialist said, "Choose if I was you, 
I wouldn't play because I don't think you'd be able to get through it. So I remember I was nervous as anything calling NASA, you know, my best mate, and, and Wayne Morton and saying, I don't think I can play. And it, it was a bit of a lesson because I obviously needed to make sure I'd have told them first before I'd gone. But, yeah, yeah. you know, it was through mm. Surrey because it wasn't central contracts. So Surrey were my employees. So they're the ones who had done it. And, you know, a couple of days before I said, yeah, I think it was the day before I said, I can't play. I'm, you know, I'm, I've got a problem with my knee and I'm not going to play. And, I, you know, I think that when Chris Reed played and he got that, that slower ball, ball and he ducked and Aftab Habib and, and all that. And then we went to the Oval and I had gone and, yeah, it was just a bit of a schmozzle and, you know, the booze, it was something I've never seen before or heard. It was it was brutal, but, you know, NASA stood up and he took his medicine and, as you say, the rest is history after that. They sort of changed their policy. The young guys came in, your Treskovics, your Vaughns, and uh, they went on and, and, and won McLaren a McLaren as well. Yeah, Because you're always very positive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Lord, Lord McLaren. McLaren. Yeah, that's right. you were Me too. A little drink with when you were at Lord's Coffee. Yeah, I had a drink with him. Um, a lot of time for him. But tell us about um, tell us about the '99 at Edgbaston because that yeah. was in that series before the injury. Um, you only got one wicket in that game, but '99 yeah. not out. Team. Well, what had, were you if, playing at, mate? What were you playing at? Well, you, come you, on, run! Well, I know. I look. I think back well, now. If you add the wicket to the runs, it's a hundred. Well, that's yeah. right. But it's eight, what, nineteen years ago or so, and um, I look back now and think. One more run. Because everyone says, well, I remember going back because I got, I got the 99 and then I went straight to um, meet the Surrey boys in Derby because we had a, a Sunday league game. You know, Keith Medlicott got on the phone. He said, Stewie, do you want to play? Nope. Forpe, you want to play? Nope. Butch? <laughs> nope. Chudes, you're playing. I'm, I'm a young lad. He's telling me what I'm, you know, I'll do as I'm told. So I drive up there and the first thing uh, Bickers and uh, Ian Salisbury say to me, he said, well, I've got one of them. And I said, what? And they went, a test 50. And oh. it just sort of brought me down yeah. to earth like really, really quickly. But yeah, it was. I've got two of them. Yeah, good lad. <laughs> good lad. And I, but I remember it was, it was, you know, that that game only lasts two and a half days. The pitch was a shocker, Edgebaston, and end times it was a little bit ropey. Um, and Al Malau and, and stuff had bowled extremely well, so we were chasing, I don't know, two thirty odd or whatever, and sort of gone in there. Steward got out the night before to Jeff Allop, bowled him an absolute jaffa, and yorked him. So I went in, faced one ball, we came off a bad light. And then next day, as ramp stars, got me in there very early and knocking up. And then Gucci was sort of stand, you know, sort of stand-in manager. And he's like, mate, you know, if you get a, if they bowl with width, you know, throw the kitchen sink in it. And, and, and I did. I just, I, I had one of those days, and Goffey would know he's had plenty in his career, but I had a day in the sun. It was a Saturday, uh, you know, quite a packed house at Edgebaston and people shouting your name and, you know, sort of had a decent partnership with NASA. NASA batted well, got 40-odd. And then, you know, my Surrey teammate came in, Graham Thorpe, said, choose, this is what it's about, isn't it? Playing test cricket, you're 50-odd not out, crowd shouting your name. All right, let's 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 go about getting your 100. And I went, mate, <laughs> this wicket's going up and down. Don't mess around. We've got Aftab Habib on debut. Rams ain't got many. Chris Reed, yeah. it can go horribly wrong here. Um if it's there, hit it. And, you know, Forpey's a senior player. Um, most probably should have gone about it a little bit differently. But, you know, he... And to be fair, Stephen Fleming didn't want me to get 100. So he started putting the field in different places. So Forpey would punch it in front of square. Everyone was behind square. So we end up running free. Crowd started booing. I'm like, what are they booing at? We're about to win this game. Why are they booing? They were booing Forpey. And, uh, yeah, just ended up... I needed to try and hit a six to get to my um, to my 100 and... 
Yeah, 99. And if you see the casualness of how I've walked off, I look back at it now and think, how casual was I? I was like, ah, ah. And then people started to run towards me. I was like, oh, right. I forget they do that. And then someone stole my glove. I've, I got it back. Um, so the guy had, through social media, because obviously you didn't have it back then, but when social media came to pass, the guy had texted me, um, Twitter messaged me and said, look, I, I was the bloke who took your um, glove. You're playing a PCA game up near us, which was up north. And he said, I'll bring it. And he brought it, fair enough to him. And I just signed it and told him to keep it. Um, and he's actually framed it, I think, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, no, it was, yeah, it was gr- great fun. And then from there, you know, two two weeks of my life, I felt like Goffy, where he was in, you know, the media and everything were loving me. And, you know, I was the next best thing. And the, the Black Botham and all sorts were coming out. And, yeah, and then just the injuries, the injuries came about. And, you know, I sort of didn't play back and then until I played against I think it was India well we'll talk about that and uh headbutting a, a Brett Lee uh, bouncer <laughs> uh, you're listening to Down Gross Cricket Week with uh, Goffey myself John Norman and Alex Tudor online and on DAB digital radio Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2 Injuries, Alex Tudor, um, blighted Goffey's career, but uh, really, when you look back at your test career, I mean, was it 10 tests yeah. in the end? Um, I mean, you, just trying to put it into words, and, and Goffey as well. You've, when, you, when you have to put your body on the line, and unfortunately for fast bowlers, that, uh, that means injuries and long spells on the sidelines. I mean, did you ever feel that you owned that, a place? in the England uh, bowling attack or did did injuries just get in the way too much? No, injuries, I was blighted by injuries but the, f- the thing with me, it was major ones as well. It's like I've had four knee operations, I've broken my rib, torn shoulder. You can't bowl with these things. I know, you know, I suppose when you burst on a scene and you do okay and, and whatever and, and people sort of get excited and they think, right, okay, we've got this young fast bowler, he's going to play for a period of time and then, you know, People that have played the games like oh, he only wanted to play when he's fit, you know, pop a tablet and all these type of things. It's like it's not that easy. It's not. I didn't have little niggles. They were serious injuries that kept me out for a long time. So I thought that was a little bit cruel and a little bit unnecessary. But it is what it is. But where it's, did that come from? Was that the press or was that? Did you ever feel that was within some, the team? Was, there were some big names in the game that were sort of, you know. I was the best thing since life spread when I broke in, and then when the injuries came, ah, he only wants to play when he's fit. And... Are you talking about journalists or players, like ex-players. In, in the squad? Some ex-players. Oh, not in the squad. Ex-players. Ex-players. Okay, well. had said a few things, and um, <laughs> he's captain on a few. Occasions. <laughs> captain on a few, but um, it's just unfortunate, Johnny. And um, you know, it happens. Uh, I had broad enough shoulders to get on with it. I had good family and friends around me. But, you know, people talk about mental strength and stuff like that. But to come back with the amount of amount of times I had to and have that drive to sort of think, you know, you've got to get back. You want to get back. Who's? And I always used to have a sort of a list of lads who were vying for my position. You know, like back then it would be James Kirtley, it would be Hoggy, it would be Sidebottom, it would be all these guys. And I'm like, I need to work hard. I need to work. Otherwise, these guys are going to take my position and I'll be in the gym and I'll be working hard and stuff like that. You, you bounce back and then you get another injury. And I, I'm sure there was a lot of frustration. A, when I was first at Surrey, when they let me go with a year left on my contract with England, because when I played, I felt I didn't let myself down um, and I did okay. 
So, you know, not to have you play in as much as they most probably would have liked. Um, most probably was disappointed, disappointed for me. But, you know, things happen for a reason. It happens. I have no regrets. Um, I always just sort of think, hmm. If I didn't have my injuries, how would I have done? You know, would I have got to 50 tests? How many wickets would I have got? I I, I don't know. Because obviously there were some good bowlers coming through. Um, but you just don't know. See, when I look back at your career, and, and I look at it very stop-start, um, I said 10 tests uh, over a period uh, of a few years. You played quite a few against Australia. Um, 2001, Ashes at home, five wickets at Trent Bridge before missing the next test, actually, by injury again. But when you look back at, at, at your performances there, because that's obviously got to be one of the highlights, as well as the 99 oh. at Edgbaston, which which one did you prefer? The the 99 at Edgbaston or the five wickets at Trembridge? Oh, that's a good question. I suppose you would have to say 99 because we won the game. But to get five wickets in an innings against that Australian side, and to be fair, there was a we had a, we had a little bit of a sniff didn't we? We had a little bit of a sniff in that game. Um, and then they blew us away in the second innings. I think Jason Gillespie got a Pfeiffer. Um, and we played some not very good shots. I remember Ramps running down at Warney, mm. um, which was a, it was a not a great shot for my good mate. Um, and Wasn't one that, that people reach, don't let him... Wasn't that to reach down. 100? Or to what, s- for Ramps? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I think he, he'd have got double figures... Maybe oh, you might have got maybe twenty, thirty or so, and uh, he just he decided that he's going to run at Warney and ran past it. Um, not his his finest moment, but <laughs> we, they, we had a little bit of a sniff, and then they, as I said, Gillespie blew us away in that second dig, and then they only need about hundred and thirty to win, and we had them three down, and you know it was yeah it was it was it was disappointing. Then we went on to Headley and won that game where Butch got that that hundred and seventy three, oh, yeah. which was. Which was quality. Well, that was only because of the generosity. Well, of that's Adam right. Gilchrist, yeah, that's right. They wanted to win it, do a clean sweep, didn't they? So, yeah, they uh, did. So it was the generosity of Gilchrist that uh, gave us a chance. Still an unbelievable day of chasing, and Butch was absolutely outstanding in that yeah. game. But when, when, when those tests you played, like I say, mm. you went on to play, you got uh, nine wickets in two tests. Um, against Sri Lanka, that was at Edgbaston and at yeah. Old Trafford. Yeah. Two tests against India at Leeds and the Oval. I oh, think they God. were pretty flat tracks. Oh, uh, you suffered at the hands of that good Indian uh, batting line oh, at don't. that period on name flat pitches. Of, name some of those. What, Tendulkar, um, Dravid. Well, Dravid got 100. Ganguly got 100. Tendulkar got 100. I remember got, um, Freddie dropping, and he didn't normally drop second slip. He dropped Dravid because I bowled quite well in the, on the first morning. Harmy was bowling in that. Series, wasn't I, I think he might. I think he might have been, and I, I bowled okay. And uh, all I remember from that game was Tendulkar and Ganguly were bowling. I'm batting, and it's getting slightly dark. And Nasser Goffey weren't playing, and Caddy was the main bowler. And Nasser sort of thinking we might come off a bad light here. Caddy warm up. He came on, bowled a couple bumpers. So obviously the umpires went to Sashin and Ganguly. Do you want to come off? No. <laughs> and it honestly that hour. I've not seen hitting like it. They dispatched us to all parts. And Gilo came on bowling round the wicket and over the wicket to Tendulkar to try and tuck him up. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> I got a bit of neck ache down at long off. I'll tell you, it, I've not seen anything like it. It was quite dark, but they were so ahead of the game that we we would think, oh, come on for a few bounces. We'll come off a bad light. They said no. And then they went to town. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable batting. But, you know, that batting lineup that they had, Saywag, 
uh, Laxman. I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? When you look back at it. Well, well it is, and like I say, I think I think then was another time where you get left out of the tour party um, to oh. the Ashes in two or two, three or three. Yeah. I came back into the squad actually after my. Uh, second operation I think I'd just had at that point. Yeah. They were gambling on me being fit for the first test. It was never going to happen. Mm. Um, and that was basically the end of my test career. That's the when I said that was the, day, the end of my test mm. career. Then. Did you come in? I think you might have come in for me. Did well, you- I, I did. I think, um, so I was on the academy because that's right. I played the last game against India at home. And then apparently I wasn't in the best 16. And I was mortified. I remember phoning Alec and saying, like, Gaff, what's happening? And he goes, well, you need to phone David Graveney, who was chairman of selectors at the time. And I remember it was quite, you know, I was still quite young. I I went to task with him. I, you know, I, I was not happy. I remember being in my garden going off. And um, he was, well, we just feel, you know, and obviously there were some young lads coming in and he was like, we feel, you know, maybe if you go to the academy. I went, academy? <laughs> 24 years old? You about academy? Um, so I went to the academy and then, they were trying to get Fred fit and then, you know, Goffey would pop in and try and get, keep himself fit and, and, and Goffey could get fit. So I came in and um, I remember it was Adelaide. We got beat there. I think Jace, uh Langer got big runs and, and whatever and there was some naughty boy nets going on and, you know, the camera crews were there because we got beat in four days or however long it was. And so it was send for the Perth specialist. It was send Let's for the Perth Let's stick Alex Tudor back in against Brett Lee. Yeah. And this is the moment we're all waiting for. We're all waiting for. You. Did it, yeah. you see it? <laughs> I did see it, D. I, was, I remember Alec was at the other end. Um, and I don't know how he does it. For me, one of the best hookers and pullers I've, I've seen in the game. And at his age, he would have been 40 plus. And he was pulling Brett Lee in front of square. It was unbelievable. And I went, well, I haven't got that ability, so I'm just going to duck. So they took the new ball, and I thought, it's going to just bounce you know, through, and I'll be fine. Well, he well dug- you'd been peppering him, though, by the well, way, well that, well, that was the thing. That was the thing. We, we had a quite a good relationship. We, we went out a few times in the evenings and, and stuff like that, and we had a good bond. People sort of seemed to think we, we didn't, and, and we did. We would go out a few times, and... I'd, I'd, I'd touched him up a bit at 83, 84 mile an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and when I came in, he went, Tudes, I owe you some. And I was quite brash back then. I was like, well, bring it. He bowled some gas, let me tell you. It's the only time I've seen Trez. He gloved one. He ran off the pitch. <laughs> and um, he bowled with some serious heat. And I remember um, Keezy was out there and he batted well because Keezy was a proper player against fast bowling, played it well. And um, I remember Stu said, Tudes, he's bowling quick. And I remember Darren Lehman was that short leg. Tudes, he's bowling quick. Um, they're still being nice but, to you but Glenn McGraw was coming around Chudes wouldn't want to be you pal I said well it's alright for you he's on your side isn't he and um, he bowled some serious gas and um, you know the ball that hit me was 94 mile an hour Fremantle doctor I remember everyone sort of in the stand behind me saying they heard the crack um, I panicked. I thought my eyeball was going to fall out, and um, oh, you know, I remember Lehman no and Stewie. Came no, <laughs> man, honestly, I did because when I put my glove to my eye, I just saw a pool of blood. I was waiting to see my eyeball. <laughs> it, 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 it hit me that oh, God, I'm even joking. And then the worst thing, I, I get stretched off. I get stretched <laughs> off the pitch, and all I was thinking is my boys back in Wandsworth are going to give me some stick. Like, boy, what's going on? You get licked down. So, um, I, I, I mean, Butch had run out. And he came up with a phone because I said, I know my mum's watching and my mum's a, a, a warrior. Um, and I said, you need to phone my mum, just let her know I'm all right. And I, and I went in um, and obviously, you know, with head injuries, you have to stay over and, you know, had all the scans and everything. But the worst thing is the nurse. 
So I like my own little private room or whatever, and she says, "Oh, Mr. Tudor, whatever, blah blah." She goes, "Oh, have you seen it?" And I say, "Seen what? Have you not? Have you not seen it?" She put on the news. <laughs> she put on the news, and every half hour, as you do um, with the sport, it, you had to watch it, it again. And I had to watch it again and again and again. It just got worse and worse. But yeah, in a way, and then I had to face the world's press afterwards. So Brian Murgatroyd, you remember Murgs, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I last week. Yeah, yeah, he's absolute legend. And um, he said, "Tudor," and I looked like the elephant man. And he said, uh, Chude, you, you, you got to do the press. I said, what? Look at me. He <laughs> goes, you got to do the press. And there must have been, I don't know, 20, 30 cameras out there. I was like, it's little old me. But they were all out there and, you know, wanted to see. It weren't quite the Mike Gatting moment, oh, where did it hit you? <laughs> um, but, yeah, it it weren't good. But, yeah, yeah, dined off that for a while. Well, and you still are. And it's still a great story. Um, <laughs> and that pretty much brings us to the end of the show as well. Uh, Chudes, thank you very much. Goffey, I'll see you in Leeds and Cricket Week. Daryl Goss Cricket, Cricket Week will be back Monday uh, on TalkSport 2, 8 till 10. See you there. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final... You can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 